violence and shoplifting were why Walmart pulled out of that location. I mean, it's just crazy, right? And so I was attracted to this location because the rent was cheap and it was right outside Nellis Air Force Base. I'm like, what is this magical place? And I get up there, abandoned Walmart's the next door neighbor. All the suites are vacant. Literally, landlord was like, you can choose any suite. They're all vacant. They're all the same price. And so I was like, let's go with lucky number seven. Hello and welcome to Lewis and Kyle Show, an interview podcast where Lewis and I interview high performers, entrepreneurs, investors, content creators. We learn a ton. You learn a ton. It's an awesome experience. And today is going to be no different with Lisa Song Sutton. Lisa is a serial entrepreneur. Uh, she was educated as a lawyer, but she runs a few different businesses, including a cupcake business, a uh, e-commerce bikini business, a real estate brokerage, uh, pack and ship stores was actually how we found her through Cody Sanchez's newsletter. And she has also done a couple of other really, really cool things. Like she ran for Congress and she was Miss Nevada. She was looking at big Bitcoin ATMs in 2015. Um, overall, super high energy entrepreneur who we loved talking with. Yeah. Lisa manages, as you said, so many different projects. We wanted to learn from her about how she spots opportunities, what she chooses is worth executing on versus what she decides to pass up on. We discuss why she spent $10,000 for a glorified internship uh, to learn about her pack and ship business. We discuss how she hires and why. So a lot of these managerial details for keeping all of these businesses running, despite the fact that she's only one person with 24 hours in a day. We discuss the benefits of being a content creator, of being a public speaker, of being a former Miss Nevada on actually being an entrepreneur and why it was worth her time to do all those things. And she just is one of those people who drops wisdom every couple sentences. So pay close attention and take notes because I sure did. Uh, would not have remembered everything had I not. I'm excited for you to listen to this episode with Lisa, and I hope you think it was as awesome as we did. Enjoy. Lisa, welcome to the Lewis and Kyle Show. We're very excited for this conversation. Thanks for being here. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I want to start out by telling you a little bit about how we found you and ask about that business first, because you have a lot of projects we want to ask about. You're a serial entrepreneur, truly, and I'm excited to ask about all these different projects. But I've been a big fan of this woman named Cody Sanchez, who writes this awesome newsletter called Contrarian Cashflow. I've been reading it every week since I found it about 10 weeks ago. And I saw one in you about this investment you created in a pack and ship like facility in Las Vegas called Ship Las Vegas. It was a relatively low upfront investment. It was cash flowing beyond what you put into it the first year. Sound like this incredible contrarian opportunity. So could you tell us a little bit about what this opportunity was for Ship Las Vegas, how you found it, and kind of the story of that operation? Sure. So well, first off, caveat, like Cody is a badass. I'm so grateful to be friends with her. She's amazing. Um, she's just a wealth of knowledge. So I'm glad you're subscribed to her stuff. Um, so with Ship Las Vegas, um, that came about three years ago. And um, I was attracted to the business model because mailboxes are basically like mini, mini storage units, right? You often hear people say, oh, you should invest in storage units, right? And just miniaturize it, right? And so these mailboxes, um, I was attracted to the business model. At that time, I had had a mailbox at a local UPS store, I think for like nine years or something. And I was like, yeah, like they auto charge my card every single year. I hardly use it. Like I forget about it. I was like, interesting. This is very interesting. So um, I called a friend of mine, Greg, who at the time he had three UPS stores in San Diego. And I said, if you could do the whole thing over, would you have gone franchise or independent? And he was like, 
I would have gone independent and here's why. He's like, if you call my stores right now, I am contractually limited in the amount of mailboxes I can have per store. He's like, the mailboxes are your low maintenance, low overhead item. This is your steady recurring revenue that keeps your lights on and pays your staff. The shipping is ancillary and seasonal. So he's like, for that steady recurring revenue, if I were you, I'd configure my stores so that way I could put a thousand mailboxes in each store and like keep them cranking, right? And then your shipping, have a shipping counter in the back that's ancillary and seasonal. And I was like, interesting. Okay. And so um, I was really excited about the business model, but at the time I had zero experience in shipping or UPS stores or FedEx stores or anything like that. And so um, I just went up the street in Summerlin from my house in Summerlin at the time uh, to a local independent store in Summerlin called Postal Pros. And I'd been their patron for, you know, seven years or whatever it was. And I went up there and Andrew's the owner there. And I said, Andrew, um, I have a business proposition for you. And he was like, okay. And I mm -hmm. said, I'm going to open up one of these stores down at like 215 Flamingo. So it's like far enough away. It's not competition for you. But I don't know anything about running these stores. I will pay you $10,000 if you let me follow you around for two weeks and I'll capture all of your processes. Um, and at that time, he'd had that store open for 10 years. Now they're in their 13th year and they crush. I mean, they do a million dollars a year. Um, and he was just like, are you serious? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. And so, so that's what we did. So literally the second he put the key in, in the front lock and like unlocked the front door, what's the next step? Oh, you have to unlock the folding gate. Oh, so I need a folding gate in the store. Like it, we just went down the line. Um, I literally took notes and like put them on like Microsoft Word document, like on my computer. And I just went step by step. I got into everything. What kind of software does he use on the computer? What kind of shipping software does he use? What kind of PO system does he use? Um, and so I took everything that he had there and I trained in his store for two weeks, literally like, like a trainee, like he had customers coming in who thought I was like a new hire. Um, and I had some guy, he was like, he's like, you're too pretty to work at a shipping store. I was like, thanks. <laughs> so it's just, you know, you never know what opportunity can come your way, but like sometimes you have to force your opportunity, right? And make it your own. Um, and so I literally trained in his store for two weeks just so that I knew what to do, right? I know how to open the store. I know how to run the register. I know what to do when someone comes in and they're like, I need to ship this to New York. Like literally, if someone comes in and hands this to you, I need to ship this to New York. What do you do, right? Yeah. Like, what, what's, what's your next step? And so capturing all of that as like processes. Um, and then I turned around and replicated that in my stores. That's an amazing story. Uh, I have a couple questions. <laughs> the first is just on the business model. So if it's a thousand mailboxes, uh, is that a, are you limited to a thousand customers or can you have 5,000 customers for a thousand mailboxes? So it's dependent on the time period, right? So we do a three month minimum. Um, you could do three months and then go month to month. You could sign up for six months and get one month free, or you could sign up for 12 months and get two months free. Mm -hmm. um, so even if you have this finite amount of mailboxes, your churn on those, right, will be dependent on the time frame. The small boxes are $20 a month. Medium boxes are 30 a month. And then large boxes are 35 a month. So if I rent a so, mailbox, it, it'll only, it's my mailbox and my mailbox alone, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. For whatever time frame uh -huh. you want it for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then my second question is like, you know, you're a successful business owner at this point and you take two weeks of your time to devote toward um, this business model or this idea that might not um, 
end up being a valuable use of your time. And so how did you think about that time investment initially and, and I guess, come to the conclusion that it was worth your time? Were you looking for another business? Were you actively trying to find something? What, what was that? No, it was just, it was very, very organic. Like I, I knew that I liked the business model. Um, and it was just one of those things where I was just like, I think I'm going to explore this more and like, see what I really, you know, if this is something I can really turn into a revenue stream. And so, I mean, any time that you make an investment, it's a gamble, right? Even if it's an investment in yourself, right? So look, I spent $10,000 in two weeks of my time. I could have gotten in there and started the training and working at Postal Pros and, and realized like, oh, this is a complete disaster, mm -hmm. right? Or this is not going to work for me or whatever it is. And then I would have cut my losses, right? And and that would have been okay. That would have been the loss and, and that's it. Um, I liked doing it that way because then I felt very confident going in and starting my own businesses because I saw how well his model worked. And I was like, I can do this. I was like, this is not rocket science. Like, this is this is great. You know, I was like, this is easily replicatable. I can make processes that are going to be really easy to lay out. Um, I'll be able to bring in great staff that I can hire and train and we can put our own spin on things. Um, we can modify as needed. And we have amazing staff like uh, we have two locations, one in the Southwest and then one up by Nellis Air Force Base. And um, in particular, our Nellis Air Force Base um, location, it's all military spouses at our store up there. And I just, I love it. Like, I say this all the time, military spouses are like entrepreneurs' secret weapon. <laughs> These ladies are freaking amazing. Like, they're so organized. They're so, you know, they have to be, right? They run a household with a bunch of kids and like, they have so much going on. They are so on top of their stuff. They're so organized. They only want to work part-time because they have families, they have other responsibilities and you don't have to pay for their health insurance. They already have health insurance. I was like, who are these like magical part-time staff members? They're amazing. I have to say like, like military spouses, entrepreneur secret weapon, write that down. I'll write it down. Business <laughs> secrets. So, I, yeah, I have a couple questions kind of like before working backwards a little bit. So how did you decide or realize that there was existing demand for this? Like, how did you say, oh, Las Vegas needs a thousand more mailboxes and like this demand will be filled? And kind of the second part of that question is, how did you find your initial customers when you opened this and all of a sudden had a thousand mailboxes to fill and rent bills to pay for this facility? Yeah, so with, with the mailboxes, I realized, because like I said, at the time, I had a box. I was a mailbox customer at a local UPS store, and they were sold out. They were sold out of boxes. Um, I think they only have like 300 or something in each store, but they were sold out. So I was just like, okay. Um, and I realized if we can focus in on, because, you know, right now e-commerce is so hot, right? So mm -hmm. um, Etsy stores and, and you know, um, Amazon sellers, all that kind of stuff, they would like to use a business address. Um, you have to have a physical address that's marked down in Nevada Secretary of State with the paperwork anyway. Um, and a lot of people don't want to put their home address. And so having a mailbox is a kind of a cheap, easy way for them to have a business address. Um, they also have a location where, look, anytime that we're open, Monday through Saturday, 9 to 6, our staff is signing for your package, right? So it's not like you have to get things shipped to your house and you have to be home and wait for them and all that kind of stuff. So it's convenient on that end, too. Um, and... I mean, the crazy thing is, is that like in 2020, right, pandemic, literally we saw a boost, like 
2020, for as hard hit as, as Cupcakes was, Sin City Cupcakes got rocked in 2020, shipping and real estate had our best years in 2020 because of the pandemic. What is the protocol for the um, the packages? Like if I was renting a mailbox, I uh, you know got it for three months, I don't pay, so it's bad debt. What happens to the packages that are sitting in my mailbox if I didn't go pick them up? Do you, can you open them or can you sell them or do you have to give them back to the government? How does that work? <laughs> so um, we have a seven-day hold on all packages that don't fit into your mailbox. So if we're holding stuff in the back, right, because we have a finite amount of space in the back. So we have a seven-day hold. Um, if you don't pick it up after seven days, we charge you. Um, if your credit card's bad or, you know, whatever it is, or you just ghost us or something, um, we just close out the box and we just put return to sender on all of your mail. Smart. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. It doesn't cost us anything. So I have a question now kind of about all of your other business projects. I kind of started out right out, out of the gates with the question about the pack and ship because it's been burning ever since I read uh, the newsletter <laughs> edition. But you're also involved, you said, with Christie's, the real estate you have, the cupcake bakery. How do you like identify kind of like, do you just call yourself a business owner and these are a bunch of projects that you like are owner, operator, manager? Like what is your kind of introduction and description, like self-conception of your, your career right now? Yeah, I just, I just say, like, yeah, I just say I'm an entrepreneur, an investor. Um, you know, and people are like, oh, what's your business? I'm like, oh, Sin City Cupcakes or real estate. It just, it, I guess it depends on what's appropriate for the conversation. Um, but I have operators in everything that I do. Uh, Sarah is Sarah Nath is is my GM for Ship, and she's my partner with that. And um, she came and trained in Andrew's store too. Um, you know, I think the key with all of this is like diversification. Number one. I'm 2020, if anything, right? 2020 taught me, like, thank God you're diversified, right? For for the longest time, um, I just kind of relied on Sin City Cupcakes as like my flagship, you know, fun business, very visible business. Um, and so you, you try to mitigate risk as much as you can anytime that you're in a business or running a business, but no one can predict, you know, that, that the strip will get shut down for 90 days, right? Um, you can't predict that. And so, um, diversification number one and then number two it's just you know have operating partners like you don't have to do all this stuff alone i mean you guys are partnered up like you know how much i think better it is when you have someone to bounce things off of to share the workload um to help with staff i mean there's so many nuances and so many hats that you are especially in the beginning um you need to have other people around you good people around you well that's very helpful because, you know, for the outside seeing all the things you do, there's like, there's no way. So clearly, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's the second secret of the interviews. Operators and uh, military spouses as part-time employees. Yes, so running, yes. We'll keep exactly. running, keeping a running list. So is that your goal um, when you're starting these businesses to get it to a point where you have an operator? Or do you start with an operator? I start with an operator. That's a good question. Okay. Yes, I start with an operator. So I don't, I don't start it alone and then onboard someone. I... It, like with ship, for example, as I was like noodling through the idea and then realizing, okay, I'm, I'm going to execute on this. I ran like the Rolodex, right? And I was like, who would be a great operator? Who would be a great operator to work this with me and like partner with me long-term and grow this long-term? Um, I'm a huge fan of partnering up with people, you know, with, I, you know, people always say, oh, don't team up with friends or family, like you'll ruin the relationship, this and that. And there's an element of truth to that. And I have had um, one business relationship in particular go completely sideways, unfortunately. Um, and it was it sucked because that was someone who was in my life for uh, many years. Um, but conversely, 
I have had uh, great success in running businesses with friends and people who I knew well before we went into business together. Um, and it's worked. I mean, you've got to lay out roles and responsibilities. You have to um, be willing to realize that it's going to be a changing relationship. It's going to be evolving, right? It's like any long-term relationship that's going to ebb and flow. And there'll be times where you're really close and then times when you're not close. And then you come back again. But as long as you share the same objective, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you're constantly working towards a common goal together. It'll work. Me and Lewis are, are on that path together. So we've been doing it. <laughs> Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I think it's great. I, th- I think it's a strength because you know, you know them, right? Like you've seen what they're like when they have a bad day, right? Like you, you've seen what they're like when they're mad, you know what they're like when they're stressed out, you know what they're like when they've, you know, just been broken up with some or whatever. Like you've seen them in like those elements. So like, you know how they handle stress, you know, if there's someone that they, you know, they clam up or they're explosive and then they bring it back or whatever it is. Like, like you already know that about them in their personal life. So you act the same in business, right? When you have stress in the business, it's stress. And so I think it's a strength to know that already about your business partner, uh, because then you can adjust if you have to. I totally agree. It's been really interesting learning all of that about Lewis over the last year. Um, but I have a question about the, um, like what strategic decisions are you and you alone making for these businesses that you partner up with people on? And are, what decisions do you do you continue to make on an ongoing basis? Is it the financial decisions? Is it like, what is it that your your superpower is? Yeah, so it's kind of twofold. So one is like just high level strategy of just like pushing the ball forward towards like you know what what how do we want to build things out? How do we want to keep things moving? How do we want to grow and expand? Um, because I can come up with the ideas and then I need someone to help execute, right? Um, so high level strategy number one, and then financial. Um, so I, in each of the businesses I've started, um, I help with the financial um, needs. So um, whether that's funding it all myself, whether that's funding half of it, um, whatever that looks like, um, I'm there to help with that. I'm the tax matters partner in each of my entities as well. Um, And again, it's just realizing like kind of what you're good at, what your strengths are and and like what you can keep within your wheelhouse. Um, And then you let your partner run with those other items and like kind of have domain over those other items. What does tax matters partner mean? Um, So tax matters partner just means that like you're the one who sits with, you know, CPA and your tax preparer. Um, I do a marathon session every January um, and I get together with my um, CPA and my tax preparer. Um, He's an EA enrolled agent. And um, we sit down every January and we do this like marathon session where we go through all the entities and then we do my personal last. Um, That is so incredibly helpful because it helps you with your high level strategy for when you're trying to figure out what your, what's the direction for this coming year, right? With your businesses. And it's great because if your CPA and your tax preparer are on the same page with what you're doing, then they can help you prepare for, oh, oh, you're planning to sell a property this year. Let's make sure we structure it this way. Oh, you're planning to start a new business this year. Let's make sure we structure it this. I mean, I can't, I've I've literally saved for sure hundreds of thousands of dollars doing this in the past 11 years, just sitting down and doing a one day once a year with CPA and tax preparer at the top of the year. I think this next one might be a little bit more painful than the last few. 
Yeah, I mean, when we sat down, yeah, so we did January, obviously, of this year and went through the 2020 fiscal year. Um, I mean, like I said, you, you can't predict it, right? I mean, since the cupcakes, we were just like, this is crazy. But um, like I said, in contrast, you know, real estate and shipping had their best years. So, you know, we were able to pull losses and, and you know, mitigate uh, I, you I know, meant, the tax liabilities. And I meant just because of like the tax increases, not because of your businesses. but just Oh, my God. The... <laughs> well, again, this is why you need a good CPA and a tax preparer, because that's their job is to be all over the changes. You know what I'm yeah. saying? To be all over it and to give you the best advice for how to like manage your assets and, and manage the filings. That's their job is to be all over the changes. So I know. <laughs> so I have a high level question for you. Uh, you have your hand. We've only discussed like a handful of the businesses you have. You also have an e-commerce company. You're involved in politics. You're involved in a lot of community service is your kind of main priority for this year like finding additional new opportunities? Is it opening additional locations of the models you have already working? So kind of growing what you have, or is it just kind of keeping what you have and making everything like leaner and more efficient? Like what's kind of the, the focus given everything you have on your plate? Yeah. So it's different with each company. So with Sin City Cupcakes, we're just, we're excited to get back on track. You know, um, 2019, we were rocking and shaking and everything was good. January and February of 2020, you you, everything was good. First in context, like discuss a little bit of what Sin City Cupcakes is. Just like we've kind of skipped that context a little bit. Just like introduce that company quickly. Yeah. So it, it's an alcohol infused cupcake company in Las Vegas. I started it in 2012. And the majority of our clientele are tourists. So every, think it's about every reason. No, it's, it's right. It's uh, value yeah. in sunset um, with mm. production facility. And we deliver by the dozen uh, to the strip and uh, throughout the valley as well. But I mean, think about any time you've ever come to Vegas, right? It's a birthday party, bachelor party, you know, friends, wedding, whatever it is. It's like there's some celebratory reason, even if it's spur of the moment guys trip, like it's a celebratory reason. Um, and so we love being part of everyone's, you know, reasons to celebrate here in Vegas. And so uh, for this year with Sin City Cupcakes, we're just so excited to like that the strip is open and that we're open and that like people are coming to Vegas. Um, so for Sin City Cupcakes this year, it's just let's just get back to status quo. Let's get back on track. Let's get the conventions back in town. You know, let's get that revenue back up again. Um, and so it's nice. We actually just hired um, we hired a new bakery assistant. We hired another delivery driver, like like it's starting to pick up again, which is just such a blessing. Um, so it's so nice that the strip is back. Um, with Christie's, with the real estate, I mean, our foot has been on the our foot has been on the gas pedal, and it's just bonkers crazy. I mean, literally, our agents are working seven days a week. We have new buyers coming in every week from California. I mean, it's just nuts right now. And so we've been really focused on trying to get. Um, really great listings. Uh, like I said, like I said, that $1.6 million one in Mount Charleston, like um, we're trying to pull as much inventory as possible. And so with Christie's, our goal is to um, just continue forward, um, obviously raise our sales volume each quarter um, and recruit as well. With SHIP, um, I'd love to do a third location this year. We wanted to do a third location last year, but with 20, we just didn't know what was going to happen. It got really wonky, right? In March and April. Um, and then we ended up having a great year, but we didn't know that at the time. And so mm -hmm. I didn't want to expend capital. Right. Um, so this year we're in spend mode, um, and we'll do a third location, uh, for ship this year. Um, and then with liquid and lace, I mean, it's just, that's been nice. That's been a nice steady 
recurring revenue business um, that I've had since 2014. And it's just- and that's your e-commerce store. Mm-hmm. And that's easy. Like it's just, uh, we changed to a drop shipping model about two years ago, two and a half years ago. Um, and that's just steady recurring revenue, right? Like orders come in while I'm sleeping. And then we have staff that we pay that processes the orders and it's drop shipping. And so I just, I don't have to do much for it. Um, this summer we'll be doing a, a, a fashion show, like a swimmer fashion show. We usually do one once a year. We didn't do it last year, but um, we'll, we'll bring them back again. Um, and so we'll do it at Wet Republic this summer. Um, so that's part of my roles and responsibilities with that company is that like, you know, helping us do uh, activations, in-person activations, pop-up shops. Um, and of course, any time that we do stuff with the pageants. So February, I was um, down in San Antonio when I was emceeing the uh, Miss United States of America pageant. And so we were the swimmer sponsor for the pageant. Um, so that's kind of my role there is just to help, you know, continue to bring exposure to it. But from an operation side, there's not much for me to do, which is really nice. Just bread and butter. That's a lot. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Cash flow. So how would you recommend someone go to law school? I mean, you've done so much. Like there's, there's so many things I want to talk to you about from blockchain <laughs> to, but just from a, um, you know, base level, like I'm, I'm graduating college next year. I've got my whole mm -hmm. life ahead of me. Most of our audience matches our same uh, demographic as well. Awesome. Would yeah. you recommend someone go to law school? Has law school been instrumental in allowing you and, and helping you to be able to do these things? Um, yeah, would you? I would say if, if you can go and not incur debt or incur very, very minimal, minimal debt, then, then any, and you have no other plan for something else or no other opportunity for something else, do it, yes. Um, I'm a proponent of higher education. I know some people are out there like, no, like, you know, just, just start making money now. And you can, that's the crazy thing. You can make money now and still go to school. Um, I was going to school full time as a law student and I was modeling and that was like my like part-time side hustle. That was my gig, right? And I was making good money. I was, I was modeling and playing online poker and going to school, right? Like, like that's what I was doing. Um, the value I think with law school is that it's the best bang for your buck, right? This is, you're talking about a JD program, which is traditional three years. You could finish it earlier. It's three years after you have a bachelor's degree. Um, and you come out and you can either practice as an attorney and you'll generally make decent money, um, or you don't have to practice. Or you could practice for a little while, like I did for three and a half years, and then turn entrepreneur or whatever. Um, the value of the law degree is one, it does give you legitimacy in the business and real estate world, I found. Um, two, it demonstrates that you have the ability to like stick with something, um, especially in the business world. You know, you have a lot of these entrepreneurs, they'll start a company and six months later, they start something new and, and they're like hopping around, right? Um, especially investors, angel investors like myself, we want to see that you have the ability to be consistent with something. So if you come to me, right, and you're like, you know, here's here's what I've done, even though you're kind of you know young in age or whatever it is, but at least I can see that like you have the ability to stick with something. Um, and then the network, right? So now I've been out of law school for 11 years. That's crazy. Um, but everyone that I went to school with, right? They're all amazing, right? They're all either partners at their law firm or they started their own firm or they're not in law anymore and they're entrepreneur and they have a zillion crazy companies. Like what an amazing network, right? And so um, I think there's value if you don't already have something that you're like, okay, like I'd be giving up something else to go to school. Um, and like I said, don't incur massive debt. That's crazy. 
Um, but if it's just, you know, either minimal debt or just, you know, like I, I worked out a deal with my parents. I said, because I got full ride for undergrad and then in law school, I got a partial scholarship. Um, my parents said that they would pay for my living costs and they said, um, I'll take out, you know, whatever small amount I needed for tuition. I said, but if I do really well, you know, at the end of, um, my time there, will you pay off my student loans as a graduation present instead of like a car or something, you know? And they were just like, this is a three-year plan. I was like, okay. You know, like my parents were just like, all right, like it's fine. And so that was the deal I worked out with them. Um, so get creative, like figure out who can pay off your loans if you have any. Deal making, <laughs> gotta do it. Deal making. There's a lot yeah. of deal making. <laughs> have you always been a deal maker? Like since, yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I don't think I'm one of those, like, you know, I didn't have like the lemonade side hustle that people talk about, right? When they're like 10 years old and they're like flipping baseball <laughs> cards and selling lemonade. And I was too, I don't know. I was like in school and I, you know, I took piano lessons and tap dance lessons. I was in a ton of extracurricular activities. Like my parents put me in everything. Um, so no, I didn't really have time for a side hustle. And when I was in high school, um, my parents didn't let me work. Um, they were like, your, your job is to get good grades. Like your job is to like get a scholarship to go to college and like go to law school. They're like, why would we want you working part-time in high school? They're like, this is dumb. And so I desperately wanted to work at Sonic when I was in high school because that's where like all the cool girls worked. Was that Sonic? And like the baseball team would hang out there after school. Like I desperately wanted to work there and I was not allowed. So I was like, it was a fight, you know? Um, but I, I think it's just in um, it's in relation to like whatever works for you, right? Like my my ability to to make deals and kind of spot opportunity, it's been honed over time, right? It's um, it's something that that the more experience that you get, the more perspectives that you hear, right? Which is amazing that that you guys are doing this at the age that you are because you're just the wealth of knowledge that you're going to obtain now will put you light years ahead of your peers. And that experience, that knowledge that you gain and the way that you can iterate that over time is what's going to allow you to really accelerate, you know, the skills that you're going to need to continue to make money and, and be successful, you know, in your 20s, through your 30s and your 40s, whatever that looks like. Well, we definitely hope that the people listening can iterate along with us and, and learn alongside us. Um, yeah, it's, Sonic sounds like a movie scene, about. though. No, you're good, Lewis. Go for it. So another aspect of that you spend your time doing is a lot of business writing and, and speaking. So you're not just kind of like one of these operators in the shadows that's hanging out in your condo all day, making phone calls and hiring and firing and, and showing real estate. Uh, you've also done a lot of like prominent business writing and speaking. What has been the impact and benefits of taking the time to do those additional activities uh, on like your life and business career instead of just being like the operator without a public presence? Yeah, you know, I have to say like public branding and then just sharing information, right? Sharing knowledge, sharing information. I can't tell you how valuable it's been. Um, deals on deals on deals, right? Just from like a, a selfish perspective. Um, I've met incredible people because of um, the content that I've put out there, because of the opportunities that have come my way, because of the fact that I do have a, a presence um, and a personal brand that's been built. Um, but you know, I think there's, I, I've met especially female entrepreneurs in particular who are like, well, I don't know what I'd write about. Like, I don't know, you know, what, what I have to say because I've, you know, they gauge themselves as, you know, not as successful or whatever it is. And I'm like, no, you like, everyone has something to contribute. Right. And so if you can just kind of hone down, like, 
what are processes? What are what are some types of processes that have helped you um, gain, you know, small or large successes in your life? And I mean, that comes down to even your morning routine or whatever that is, right? That's an article. People talk about the morning routine all the time. Um, so I, it's, I found it very, very valuable. And um, I think especially with like the public speaking as well, um, again, self-servingly, it's, it's only helped me grow as a business person and just as a person in general. Um, you know, when you can put yourself in, in uncomfortable situations that challenge you um, and you have to rise to the occasion, right? Like you have to come prepared, you have to rise to the occasion. Um, I think anytime that you can challenge yourself in that way, um, it just leads to personal growth too. And one thing, uh, a recent podcast guest we had, his name is Dickie Bush. Uh, he talks about for, cause he helps a lot of people start like a writing process and a writing habit. It's like, what problems did you solve for yourself in the past mm -hmm. year? And can you talk about that. how you solve those problems? Like what advice, basically yeah. just always, what advice would you give to yourself one year ago? Mm -hmm. Then every month you just think about where you were that month last year and the problems you're solving then that you no longer are dealing with. Cause we just forget. Uh, but lots of people are still dealing with that problem at some level. I love that. And, um, so I have a great mentor, Dr. Richard Schatz. He invented the heart stent. Um, <laughs> and then it, like, yeah, he invented the heart stent in like 1986 and then patented it to Johnson and Johnson, like genius, you know, um, he's still a practicing cardiologist to this day, um, in San Diego, but he always tells me, and I have not implemented this, but this is a nugget. This is so good. And it's right in, in the vein of what you're talking about. He said, um, think about a problem or something that frustrates you and then invent like a product that fixes it. And then he was like, and then patent it. Like he, he, he holds tons of patents and he gets a royalty check every single quarter from name your company, you know, Johnson and Johnson or whatever it is. He gets freaking royalty checks every quarter. And he's a practicing cardiologist. Like it just, that guy's it, rich. It's insane. <laughs> yeah. But like, Stack, but his mind, like he's, he's so, he's so, so, so sharp and he's in his seventies now, but he's so sharp and like, just you can see literally you can see his brain just working and like looking at something and like figuring out how to improve it like some people just think like that and you know from like a physical standpoint of creating a product um but he says he's like just make a prototype he's like that one prototype is enough to like start the patent application and like get that process going and it's just smart i haven't executed on it but it's great advice like i know i can feel in my heart that it's great advice so we need to get him on the podcast for sure yeah, uh, yeah, he would love to. Say, yeah, I'll do we'll, an email. Yeah, we'll, we'll follow up for sure. Um, okay. Especially about the heart stuff, because I've been on the, the meat diet, so that's going to be interesting. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Just with the cardiologist. Had Lewis had has just been crushing oh, steak and eggs. Yeah, I was going to yeah, – I wanted to dig in a little bit to the, the processes. You know, you, you talked about how – yeah, anybody has these processes that they use every day, whether it be their morning routine or whatever. What are some of your processes that have um, led to, you know, outsized returns over the years of you doing them? Um, so for me, um, good rest is number one, like getting really good sleep. Um, I was a night owl through like college and law school. And then once I like got out of school and started working, um, I realized the value in, in really good sleep. And I can't tell you, like, it just, it makes a world of difference, um, at least for me, um, getting good rest and then getting up early, like get up as early as you can. Um, I mean, this morning I worked out at 6.30 in the morning and then I was on calls the rest of the time. Um, like if you get up as early as possible, like the world is quiet, you know what I mean? Like your phone is not blowing up yet. 
you know, so like you can carve out time to just get things done. Um, and this is really cheesy, but I start my morning off. Um, I text, I, I text my family, um, my mom, um, my dad, when he was alive, I would text my parents and, um, say, Hey, good morning. Have a great day. I love you. And it's so cheesy and like silly, but I can't tell you, like you start your day off on this, like gratitude. Like it just, it, it's a good feeling. Right. And then like, come on, like anytime you get a text back from your parents, like they're like, they know, they're so happy to hear from you. Right. And, and they just send you like positive vibes back. And I can't tell you like what a great way that is to like start your morning. So like, you've been doing that tomorrow. since you're 18, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've been doing that for a long time and it's just, it works, you know, like, um, parents or, you know, just good friends, right. Or even people you haven't talked to in a while, like just shoot them this outbound tech. Hey, good morning. I hope you have a great day. Like people are just so shocked, you know, that, that like, it's, that's all you have to say. And, um, I, I just think it's, it's a great way to start the morning really easily with like, kind of like cheat gratitude journaling. I, yeah, I, I think that's incredible. I want to ask about your, your parents. What, uh, um, here's a good way of putting it. Like, what when you have a kid or if you have kids what will you keep from your parents parenting in order to um you know create a kid who wants to text their parents every morning and say good morning that they love them yeah so my parents i mean they're they're amazing um you know they were very so i'm an only child um and they were just like they wanted me to have like every experience i could possibly have um so it was that combined with like what do you good at and like what do you like um i think especially with like my mom who's korean like she's like korean tiger mom (laughs) she was like i don't want to invest in something that's not gonna be like good for your future right so she was constantly on the lookout for like what are you good at and what do you like and so i started piano at five i started flute at nine i was in ballet and tap dance from five to 18 like i was in all these like fine arts and it was because i just naturally gravitated towards that and I like picked it up really easily and then I started competition like competitive classical um, competitions at age nine and from that she saw that like I enjoyed like you know being out there and meeting people and I was like fearless on stage that kind of thing and and so she just kept like honing that because she was like that's only going to serve you later in life right in business and whatever um in contrast, my dad put me in softball in the third grade and I just cried the entire time. I hated it. And I was like, I'm sweaty. Like I just, I hated it. And we have these like VHS recordings and you can, you, you can hear my mom on the side and she's like, get her out of there. Like, we, we, you know, get her out of there. And my dad's like, it's character building. Like it was so, it's so ridiculous. But they made me stick it out for the whole season. Cause like you can't quit. Right. Um, but that was an example of like, okay, we're going to put her in something and have her try it. And she's not good at it and she hates it. So like, you know, cut the cord on that. But I just appreciate that. Like, you know, they wanted me to have all kinds of experiences so that I could figure out what I liked, what I was good at and how that could serve me later. I love that. So maybe something potentially less, less cheery, not necessarily (laughs) just there's, there's just always a degree of controversy when you bring it up. Uh, but you ran for Congress in this most recent election, like the big Congress, not like state Congress. What was that decision like? And what was that experience running for uh, the House of Representatives? Like what motivated that? That was so that was not in the plan, by the way, like politics was not <laughs> in the plan. Um, the way that came about, that's, 
Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah. I mean, that was that was not in like my life plan. Um, the way that came about, so I started that second location of ship up at Nellis Air Force Base, and this is like this is a really tough area. This is Craig Road and Las Vegas Boulevard. When I opened that store up there, the entire suite was like all the rows were vacant. Um, it's next door to this day to abandoned Walmart. Um, Walmart pulled out of there. I think four and a half years ago. Um, and there's like a red, there's like a subreddit on this Walmart and they called it stab Mart. Jeez. Like, <laughs> yeah, like it, violence and shoplifting were why Walmart pulled out of that location. I mean, it's just crazy. Right. And so I was attracted to this location because the rent was cheap and it was right outside Nellis Air Force Base. I'm like, what is this magical place? And I get up there, abandoned Walmart's the next door neighbor. All the suites are vacant literally landlord was like you can choose any suite they're all vacant they're all the same price and so i was like let's go with lucky number seven and so we did and um i started doing tenant improvements and i have friends who work for metro and they were like don't open up up here they're like this is an area we call the triangle yes metro police Mm -hmm. they were like this is an area we call the triangle this is the longest lead times most amount of calls like go back to summerlin honey like you are going to get robbed and I was like, great. Um, but I'm stubborn. And I was just like, okay. So I went to landlord and I said, um, I said, they wanted me to sign um, a three-year lease. And I said that I would do a one-year lease. Um, and I said, I will pay you for um, three months worth of rent, but I need an out on month four. If I get robbed in the first 90 days that I'm here, I'm, you're going to let me walk. There's no personal guarantee on this one year lease. I'm just going to give you four months and, and leave. And they took it. They accepted that. And I was like, I'm getting freaking robbed. So <laughs> great. So we open up and this is a long story of why I ran for Congress. The very first customers we had the day we opened up our store where these two little black ladies live in the apartments across the street. And they were so happy to have a place to buy stamps. They were hugging us because without us, they'd take a bus to the closest post office, which is on East Cary, and it's like 40 minutes away. Like, it blew my mind that they didn't have resources in this area and in this city of Las Vegas with so much abundance. So then I started making phone calls, and I'm like, who's the county commissioner for this area? Like, who's the congressman for this area? Like, why is no one doing anything? And then I found out that the congressman for that area in that district, CD4, District 4, lives in Virginia. Like he used to live here and he moved to Virginia and like his kids used to go to school in Vegas. Now they go to school in Virginia. Like it's too obvious, right? And then I found out he's a Democrat and I'm like, someone needs to run against this guy. I'm like, this is crazy. Like I don't care what party you are. You cannot take taxpayer salary and like pretend that you're part of a community when you have this going on. You have, a, you have Walmart leaving your congressional district because of crime. Like, do something, you know? So um, I start, I pick up the phone. I start calling people. And I'm like, someone needs to run. Like, you should run. Like, someone should run. I'm, like, yelling at people. And they're like, no, you should run. And I was like, I don't have time. And it turned to this whole thing. It turned into a thing. And then <laughs> and then, and then I, I ran for Congress. Like, it was the craziest 10 months of my life. It was the craziest 10 months of my life. But I'm so grateful that I did it. I finished third out of eight candidates in the Republican primary. Um, obviously, it was my first time out the gate. Um, 
And I mean, we were, you know, compiling the airplane as we were taking off, right? I mean, you just you just don't know what you don't know. Um, but I had a great team. Um, I had a lot of great national support. Uh, Congressman Dan Crenshaw um, endorsed me, Elise Stefanik. Um, I did an event with the president, um, with Trump at the time. I mean, just there was so much great support that um, that came out for me. Um, and it was just an incredible experience. I'm so I'm so grateful that I did it and had the opportunity. So now I'm really excited to be behind the scenes and help support candidates who are like myself, who are young, private sector, you know, care about the national debt, are concerned about the community, care about the economy and like, you know, the supporting entrepreneurship, right? Supporting business owners um, so that we can get the economy back up and running again. Um, so it's been fun to be on the back end. That's that a, like a beautiful story, really. I mean, <laughs> absentee governance is never what you want. I mean, what incentives does he have to do anything if he lives in Virginia? You have I mean, none. You have yeah. zero, right? <laughs> Other I mean, than to get like, reelected, like, right? Like, yes. I mean, you you know, they make so much money. Here's the crazy, and I've said this to you. I said, if $170,000 is a lot to, of money to you, you should not be running for U.S. Congress. You should not be running for the House of Representatives because that 170 is a base. You have checks waved in your face from every special interest group, from every pack, from every, and they want to make sure they have a friend, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's too easy. If, if money is a motivator for you and you don't already have money, you haven't already built something that pays you. I just think politics is a slippery slope. There's so much money in politics and it's too easy. It's too easy to get caught up. So Either we need to pay them a lot more or the salary needs to be so low that it's only people who are like, I have other sources of income to pay my living expenses. I'm only going to do this because I care. You know, like those are the well, two options, I think. I tend to agree with you. I'm definitely excited that you sort of hinted at maybe this wasn't the, the last time out of the gate. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, it, it's. It takes so much out of you and it's just, it's such, it's such a massive undertaking and I just really want to be in a place of value. Um, so I'm finding that I'm able to be really helpful behind the scenes, like mm -hmm. helping fundraise for candidates who are similar mm -hmm. to myself. Actually, um, April Becker, uh, she's an attorney, a uh, private sector. She's running for Congress in district three, which is Henderson, um, and okay. kind of, you know, Southern Nevada. Um, yes. Um, and mm -hmm. April is, she's sharp. She's sharp. Um, she's, I mean, she's, she's not as young as us, but she's like youngish, you know, and, um, mm -hmm. but she gets it. You know what I mean? She supports private sector. She supports entrepreneurship. She has her own law firm. Like she gets it. So um, I'm, I'm really enjoying supporting uh, candidates like myself who are, you know, private sector and, and just want to support um, allowing us to have freedom, right? Make your own choices. Yeah. Well, young in politics to me is like under 50. So Maybe 50. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, um, exactly. Let's transition now because we're coming up on our time just to a couple rapid fire bonus questions here. Uh, I'm curious who some of the people that you go to to get smarter, like where you come up with new ideas, where you, great whether question. it's like you have a reading list or if uh, our cardiologist just sends you great articles every weekend <laughs> and you just go through them over no, a I cup of coffee. But where articles. Do, okay. But, <laughs> And, you know, you beat Kyle and myself to crypto. You're earlier than us to that game. So, like, where are yeah. your sources of trends and input and, like, new important ideas? 
Um, so I try to read. Uh, yeah, I I try to read as much as possible. Um, so I I just finished a book um, called Fortitude by Dan Crenshaw. Um, that's amazing. It's about just like, you know, the crazy cancel culture that we're experiencing right now. And like, um, it's even though he's a you know Republican congressman, the book is not political. It's just it it's it's um, an ideation on like the status of our culture and like the status of the United States of America. It's really smart. It's called Fortitude. Um, I, so that was two books ago. The book I just finished um, I, was written by, um, oh, where is it? I think I have it. Um, or maybe it's in my other. If you have the title, I can search back. it real quick. Um, it's, it's called How Ike Led. Um, How mm. Ike Led. And it's just smart. It just takes like, um, it takes like different circumstances that President Eisenhower was in. And then it breaks mm-hmm. down his thought process. For like how he arrived to the decision, um, it's called How I Led. Yes, by his grand his granddaughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his granddaughter Susan Eisenhower. It's so smart because it just it reverse engineers his decision making, um, and it's just it's applicable, right? Obviously, that was in his role as the president of the United States, but um, it's smart because you just you look at like um, you know how do, do how do people think, right? How do people think? Um, but for just kind of like news and consumption. Um, Twitter, I'm a total Twitter junkie. Like, I, I think that's the kind of quickest way to get like a snapshot of, of what's going on, especially things that are trending. Um, I love good solid newsletters like Cody's. It's just smart, right? Like you get that kind of, you know, encapsulated bit of information. And sometimes it's super detailed because it's a deep dive into mailbox stores or whatever, you know, stuff that you don't even think about, but it expands your knowledge base, right? Um, and then, you know, anytime that you can be part of like mastermind groups. So I'm a member of YEC, the Young Entrepreneurs Council, and I'm also a member of YPO, the Young Presidents Organization. And both of those, actually, Cody and I met through YEC. So like your network, right? The people that you meet and that you surround yourself with and that you have discussions with, you don't have to have like serious, mind-blowing business discussions every single day with like people in your circle. But you need to look at, you know, who you consume information from. I am blessed to have a very wide gradient of friends, right? I, I have friends who do all kinds of different things across different spectrums, um, but whose value, you know, whose input I value and like people I consume from, you have to be aware of that because you always want to be like, you know, learning from people who are doing more than you, you know, have different ambitions than you, like offer different perspectives than you, because that's the best way for you to learn and grow. Absolutely. There's a lot there. I, I, I think we are the products of our inputs for sure. Uh, one thing I want to touch on is the idea of you can't always be having a hardcore business conversation. And like, that's one of the toughest yeah. lines for us to draw on this podcast is like, you know, we're trying to, to build a relationship with you. We're also trying to talk about your, your past and what you've done. We could go so deep on cupcakes. We'd go so deep on a blockchain and it's just difficult to cover it all in an hour for sure. So we're going to have to have <laughs> you back on the show, but, um, part two, we'll do part two. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but briefly I, I want to ask, you know, a bonus round question about Bitcoin ATMs. Yeah. What was, what was your thought process there is the, is were your assumptions true? Um, and how do you feel about Bitcoin specifically today? So I heard about Bitcoin in 2009 when I was in law school. 
I know. And of course, I didn't buy it then. Of course, I didn't buy it then. I wouldn't even be here, right, if I had bought it then. You might um, be. Uh. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Hopefully. Um, but literally, <laughs> I heard about it in 2009 from one of my law school classmates. His name is Michael. And he was just like nuts. Like he was talking about that. We were just like, dude, like shut up about this. Like stop making up stuff. Like we, we discounted it like you would not believe. 2009, okay? Then like 2015, because uh, I was I was Miss Nevada. I was doing every appearance under the sun. I was meeting with all these nonprofit groups. I was doing all this stuff. There was a meetup group that was like a, it was like a blockchain meetup group. And they were just like, bitcoin crazies like they were like you know they like praised satoshi and like they were just really super crazy but it was this like meetup group in vegas and i was just like what and then i was like bitcoin i was like wait i've heard of that and and so from there i you know connected with a few people in the group and just kind of like stayed around it 2017 um was when i had invested and um and invested in a meaningful way into crypto as well um i took the top 10 um by market cap at the time. I just logged on to CoinCap um, and I took the top 10 uh, cryptocurrencies by market cap and I put $1,000 into each of them. And then to this day, I just, I let it sit, right? Um, so I think if you are, are looking for just another asset class to put some money in, I think Bitcoin is very, very smart. I think crypto is very, very smart. Don't put in money that like you need. Like don't put in money that you need to take out you know, to pay rent or a mortgage or whatever. Like this is the money that like you need to kiss a goodbye for years because I think that's the best way to utilize crypto in, in the fashion that it is. Cause just treat it as an asset class. Um, I see some people like doing like the quick trades with the altcoins and all that stuff. One, I don't have time for all that. And two, like, it's just, it's too volatile, right? Like I, somewhere I'm very risk adverse. And so I'm a big fan of like buy and hold. Um, and so I would definitely advocate and recommend, um, Bitcoin for sure. I'm, I'm, I'm heavy in Bitcoin and Ethereum, um, because mm -hmm. uh, blockchain, <laughs> I mean, the, the underlying, the underlying technology on it is being used to this day from all kinds of different sectors, um, that you're not hearing about in the news, right? For example, um, the government, the government is using blockchain technology right now on, you know, those giant Humvees, like the big Humvees that cost us as taxpayers probably like a million dollars. These are like, you know, Humvees in the Middle East or wherever they're using them for deployments. Um, they're using blockchain technology to be able to um, know when certain drivers or pilots are, are running these of like when it gets turned on, when it gets turned off, how far it goes, and who is the person like accessing it? That's all, that's on a blockchain. So the the underlying technology is here to stay for sure. And I think as we're seeing, I mean, I just thought Chipotle did a giveaway on Twitter. Uh, it was it had something to do with Bitcoin. Chipotle was giving away Bitcoin on Twitter. I think like last month or something. Like if you have these like giant consumer brands getting in on the trend, like it's, it's game over, stay, right? It's game over. You're too late. Like, like it's an asset class. It's too late. Follow-up question. What do you think about the Fed? I mean, look, like we live, we live in capitalist society. We live in a country that that's, you know, built on the American dollar and the American dream. Right. So like, I mean, I don't think fiat's going anywhere. You know, people talk about the big banks and, and whatever. And I mean, like, this is the way of the world. Like, you know, certainly not in our lifetime, maybe, Maybe one day, you know, um, it 
something catastrophic happens um, and, and fiat just completely loses its value. But um, I think for now, for modern society and certainly in the foreseeable future, um, you know, we have to we're, we're going we're gonna to keep operating the way that, that things have been. But with hopeful, hopefully improvements. Final question for you, Lisa, before we wrap up, we've got Mother's Day coming up in a couple of days. What flavor cupcake should I get for my mom? Yeah, so we have this great flavor uh, for the month of May called Rosé All Day, um, and it's a vanilla cupcake. Yeah, yeah, it's a vanilla cupcake, and then the filling inside is a vanilla rosé, um, rosé wine uh, filling and cream cheese frosting. Well, Lisa, this has been uh, so fun. Where can people find you if they want to connect and learn more? Uh, you can find me uh Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Lisa Song Sutton. And you can head over to my website, lisasongsutton.com. And that wraps up our conversation with Lisa Song Sutton. Uh, wide ranging, but really valuable. She is super smart, super sharp. Uh, three of my quick takeaways. The first one is the little secret about military spouses. If you're looking to hire some hardworking people, uh, sounds like going near a military base and, and hiring some part-time, part-time wives is a, a wise thing to do. Uh, I say we so rebrand the podcast as part-time wives. I agree. It would, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if we fit the niche, but I think it'd be good. Um, <clears throat> the second is absentee politicians. Her story about the guy who, um, you know, is the congressman in that district where her pack and ship store is. And how he lives in Virginia. His kids go to school in Virginia. He's got no incentives to make, um, you know, the lives of his constituents better. It's just really sad. Um, and I'm proud of her for hearing that and being willing to take steps uh, in a different direction. So good for her. The third thing, and it sort of goes along with that, is get your hands dirty. Uh, we mentioned in the intro, which we recorded just now, and in the podcast, that... Um, you know, she spent ten thousand dollars to to be a glorified intern while she's got five other businesses. You know, it'd be easy to, for her to say, "Well, this isn't worth my time." I mean, I'm a millionaire entrepreneur, but no, she's like, "I want to get my hands dirty. I want to learn everything about this business." Um, and she did just that, and I'm sure that she did that with cupcakes. She said that she did that with cupcakes. She learned how to bake um, and all the other things that she does. And so it's just an important lesson to not think that you're too high and mighty for anything, uh, especially when it comes to uh, your own business. Yeah, those were great, Kyle. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're going to be great, maybe. Anyway, uh, first one, simple one. Real hustlers use the word Rolodex. It's just a vocabulary word that's common among people who are real operators and doers. Uh, under the age 50, under the age 50, right? People over 50, it's just part of their vocabulary because that's like how they organize their contacts. But when people are in like their 30s are just like, yeah, let me check the Rolodex, find an operator, open a business, we make money. Like anytime you say that, so far it's been signal that that person knows what's up. So pay attention, kids. Second one. Using that word. There you go. Don't, unless you're, unless you can back it up, unless you have the Rolodex to prove it, right? You got to grow the Rolodex first. Uh, And I'm only using it because she used it observationally deal making that's number two Rolodex, you're gonna get a near full oh I'm, I'm ready for it uh deal making is takeaway number two so she's like all of these not options presented to her right so it's like ordering off the menu kind of thing where she's you know you want to open a pack and ship store you don't go on google and it's like well you should probably pay ten thousand dollars to a friend of yours that owns the store only and he'll only say yes because you've been a customer of his like she's just comes up with what she wants to exist and pitches it 
there's no like part of her law school application. I was like, consider making a wager with your parents that if you get a really great GPA, they'll pay for it. And if you don't, it's on you. So think of those creative deal-making win-win situations and you can accelerate your results and end up winning because that's how win-win works as long as you're at least half of it. Uh, third takeaway here is that content leads to opportunities. This is what Kyle and I started the podcast for among many other things, but just serendipity, crazy, unexpected, random, positive things happen from putting yourself out there spread the good word, teaching very basic things in this episode with Lisa. She was just saying, you know, the stuff she writes about. And a lot of times it's like not that complicated or sophisticated. I'm a successful entrepreneur. Here's my morning routine. Like, here's what it's like being a public speaker. Here's how I got my speaking gigs. Nothing that's like crazy. She's not like writing Nobel prize winning documents that I know of. She could be, wouldn't surprise me, but sharing just a little bit of content benefits the right person. They want you to speak at their event. The right person listens to it. Right person invites you on your podcast. Stuff happens from putting yourself out there and you don't have to start a podcast or blog. You can just put something on medium without making an account. It's not some big to do. You can post a blog on LinkedIn. Just put yourself out there, share your thoughts on the world. Good things might happen. That's all I have to say about this episode with Lisa. I could say more about it, but I want you to listen to more of her episodes instead of hearing me ramble for too long now. If you enjoyed it, leave a rating or a view on iTunes. We haven't gotten any in a couple months, so we'd really appreciate some fresh ratings to uh, bump us up in the feed and make our show a little bit higher on the standings. So if you could take a minute to do that, it would be greatly appreciated. Otherwise, here's my interesting offer to you this week. Kyle and I learn from your feedback. Most of you listening to this podcast, and we know you're out there because we can see numbers, uh, but we can't see your names. And that's hard for us to be able to get in touch with you and learn from you and get feedback about why you're listening, what you're liking, what you're learning. So if you have social media or if you have an email address, you're able to reach us. We would love to shut up a, sh a short you know, 10 to 30 minute phone call asking you who you are, what your problems are, what you're listening to the podcast, what you're learning from it, and what you'd like to see more of. We're on social media. The links are in the description to this episode. And we'll also put an email address down there below, but it's Lewis and Kyle show yeah. at gmail.com. Uh, and it'll also be in the description for those of you who didn't hear that. That's all we have for this week. Take us up on that. It'd be fun to talk to you. See ya.